God's grace to you, friends. Last weekend, of course, we observed the two most significant days in all of history. The day that Jesus was crucified and died on behalf of our sins to accomplish our salvation. We called it Good Friday. And then the greatest day of all history when Jesus rose from the dead alive again defeating the powers of sin and death and hell itself. Indeed, Easter is the greatest celebration of all. Today we are beginning a new sermon series for the rest of the Easter season. It'll take us through the end of May. And it's focusing on one particular character in the story of Jesus and his suffering, his death and resurrection. That character is the person Simon Peter. We're going to be looking a little bit closer at Peter's life and drawing some faith lessons from his life experiences. You remember Peter. He was, of course, one of the original 12 apostles of Jesus. He was also one of the inner three. Peter, James, and John were with Jesus in a close friendship. Peter, of course, was with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane the night that he was betrayed by Judas and arrested by that mob. That mob took Jesus to the house of the high priest, Caiaphas. And as they're taking Jesus, Luke tells us that Peter follows along behind at some distance. When they take Jesus into the house of Caiaphas, Peter stays outside in the courtyard outside the house. Evidently, there was a fire pit in the courtyard and someone started a fire. Remember, it was the middle of the night when Jesus was arrested. And Peter was warming himself by the fire in that courtyard outside the high priest's house. Luke tells us in chapter 22 that a servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked directly, looked closely at him and said, this man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, you also are one of them. Man, I am not, Peter replied. About an hour later, another asserted, Certainly this fellow was with him, for he is a Galilean. Peter replied, Man, I don't know what you are talking about. And just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. Jesus turned and looked straight at Peter. And then Peter remembered the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Peter's heart and mind had been overcome by fear. No doubt fear for his own life. Fear that he too might be arrested and perhaps put to death. And that fear led to spiritual and moral failure on his part. As he denies even knowing Jesus, not once, not even twice, but three times, after having spent three years in close association with Jesus, he denies even knowing him. Fear led to failure, and failure led to regret. If you think about it, fear is what paralyzed all the disciples after Jesus was crucified. As we heard in that gospel lesson for today, they were all hiding behind locked doors for fear of the religious leaders who may come seeking them as well. 
Jesus appears to them, of course, and shows himself to them, but we're even told that a week later, that would be the equivalent of today, a week after Easter, they're still hiding behind locked doors. But now notice what begins to happen. The reality of the resurrection of Jesus begins to dissipate their fears. Jesus shows himself alive to them. Thomas wasn't there the first time Jesus appeared and showed them his hands and his side. And then the next week when, when uh, uh, Jesus appears, Thomas is there. Thomas who had said, unless I see his hands inside, I won't believe it. Jesus appears and says, Thomas, look at my hands. Put your hand in my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said, my Lord and my God. It was the resurrected, resurrected Jesus that began to dissipate their fears and brought them hope even in their failures. Sometime later, Jesus appeared to his disciples again. This time they were out fishing on the Sea of Galilee. They're out on a boat and they're not catching any fish. And a man on the shore cries out, throw your nets on the other side of the boat. And they kind of think that's kind of a crazy idea, but okay, we'll go ahead and do it. And sure enough, they caught more fish than they could haul in. And then they realized it was Jesus who had said that to them. They rushed ashore to be with him. And Jesus cooks them breakfast. And then, after breakfast, Jesus takes Simon Peter aside. And he said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you truly love me? more than these? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. Then a second time, Jesus said, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Tend my sheep. And then a third time, Peter, do you truly love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Feed my sheep. What was Jesus doing there? He was restoring Peter, who once had failed and now was being brought back into a relationship with his Lord. He was restoring Peter, not only forgiving his sins, but also then commissioning him into ministry. Feed my lambs, tend my sheep, feed my sheep. And why three times? Once for each time Peter had denied him. He wanted Peter to fully understand he was forgiven. And fully understand he was restored back into a right relationship with God. How about yourself? What kind of failure have you experienced in your life? Perhaps a spiritual or moral failure that was born out of fear. Maybe you were afraid that someone would ridicule you for being associated with this Jesus and you hesitated to say anything about your faith, we've all done that. Or maybe there's some other kind of spiritual or moral failure that has brought you regret or shame. Well, friends, Jesus is in the restoration business. He restores you and me as well. For He went to that cross that first Good Friday for you as much as for anyone, for me as much as for anyone, died for all of our sins and fully paid the penalty to be paid. And says, believe that I did this for you and you are forgiven. 
Jesus restores us by His resurrection as He defeats the power of sin and death and hell and Satan and assures us that through faith in Him, heaven is open to us and awaits us who trust in Him. Peter took, uh, Jesus took Peter from a place of failure to a place of faithfulness. From failure to faithfulness. And that's what he desires to do with you and me as well. And boy, don't we see a change in Peter. He becomes so very bold. Especially after Jesus ascended into heaven and then came the Pentecost event when God the Holy Spirit was poured out upon his people. And shortly after that experience, we see the boldness and the faithfulness of Peter and the other disciples on display in public. We heard, it about, heard about it in that first scripture reading from Acts 5. The religious leaders, the same ones who had condemned Jesus, are now commending, commanding these disciples not to proclaim the message about a risen living Jesus out in public. How did they respond? Cowering in fear? Hiding behind locked doors? Not at all. We read again in Acts 5. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus from the dead, whom you had killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might give repentance and forgiveness of sins to Israel. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. Wow, notice the transformation that took place in Peter. He went from cowardly to courageous, from failure to faithfulness. And about 30 years later, this same man, Simon Peter, wrote the letter that we often refer to as 1 Peter. And over the course of these sermons in this series, throughout this Easter season, we're going to be drawing insights from this first letter of Peter that we can apply, apply to our own life. And in these opening verses of the first chapter, listen to the confidence as Peter writes these words. He says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Those are great words of hope. Hope based on the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Hope in the promise of salvation. But what we need to keep in mind is that Peter is writing these words from Rome in one of the most dangerous times to be a Christian in Rome. He was writing these words during that fearful time when Christians were being persecuted under the hand of the emperor Nero. They were being hunted down and put to death. And Peter pens these words of hope for those who are facing hardships. So in this sermon series, we're going to be drawing some faith lessons from the life of St. Peter. One major takeaway each week. 
And today's takeaway is this. Faith is refined by fire. Faith is refined by fire. Peter talks about this in the next couple of verses in our text. Listen to what he says. He starts off by saying, In this you greatly rejoice, referring to those words of hope about the resurrection and eternal salvation. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come, notice this, these have come so that your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, that your faith may be proved genuine and may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Note the metaphor that Peter uses here for faith. He references gold and the refiner of gold. Consider for a moment the work of a refiner of precious metals. In Peter's day, he might have looked something like this, using the, the hand-blowing billows to uh, stoke the fire to make it hotter in order to cause that gold to be refined more quickly. Gold in its raw state comes with various impurities within it. Those impurities need to be removed and can only be removed by fire. And gold is then refined by that fire in a crucible. And in the course of the process of refining, it is made pure. Peter draws the comparison with faith and makes the point that faith is refined by the fires of trials and tribulations, persecution and hardship in whatever form they may take. This idea and this teaching of Peter helps us have a clearer understanding of a Christian view of suffering. We need to understand that even we who follow Jesus as our Savior are not immune to the sufferings of this world. We recognize the source of suffering, that God is not the source or the cause of suffering, that suffering ultimately is the result of the fact that we live in a fallen world a world that's been in a fallen state ever since Adam and Eve committed their first rebellious act. And when sin came into the world, it impacted even the physical realm. And suffering is one of the results. And yes, even we experience it in various forms. But while God is not the cause of suffering, He does sometimes allow even His own people to suffer in order to refine our faith and in order to demonstrate its genuineness. And so as Christians, we are able to have the perspective that sees that God can and does bring good even out of suffering, even out of persecution and ridicule, even out of hardship and trial. He purifies our faith through the fires of suffering. St. Paul writes about this in his letter to the Romans in chapter 5 when he says, we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God, not only so, but we also rejoice in our sufferings 
because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character. And character, hope. And hope does not disappoint us because God has poured out His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom He has given us. Paul understands it too. Faith is refined by fire. You know, it's been said that a refiner of precious metals like gold will hold that gold in the fire just long enough until those impurities are burned out and he can see his own reflection in the gold. Likewise, friends, God and our Savior Jesus Christ wants to see His face reflected in our faith and our life that we shine brightly with the joy of our risen Savior even through our sufferings for we know what is coming. For a refiner of gold, let's ask the question, what is the desired finished product for a refiner of gold? Is it not something without impurities and something that will last forever? Even more so, what is the final result of your own faith? What is the end goal of your faith? Well, in the last part of our text, this is what Peter discusses. The goal of your faith. He says in verses 8 and 9, Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. And even though you do not see Him now, you believe in Him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. There it is. That's the pure gold end. The salvation of our souls. I don't know what kind of hard times you may be experiencing right now. Or what kind of Perhaps uh, ridicule you are receiving because of your faith in Jesus, maybe by your coworkers or other associates, or maybe even by some family members who really aren't on board when it comes to faith. Maybe you are experiencing the fires of trials in some fashion. Whatever your experience of suffering may be, friends, remember that you face your suffering knowing how the story ends. You know how it ends. As your faith is refined by fire, remember that you are receiving the goal of your faith. It's been made certain because of Jesus Christ. The goal of your faith is yours, the salvation of your souls. Thanks be to Jesus, who went through the fire of the cross, that we might come out as pure gold. Amen. And may the peace of God, which passes human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, even as you go through the crucible of suffering. Amen.